Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're, we are back. It's Monday. I can't believe it's Monday. I can't believe it's two weeks till Christmas. I haven't done any Christmas shopping. I, yeah, I haven't either, uh, but that means uh, I got to stock up. I have a lot of guys I got to buy gifts for here in the studio, so I got a busy week. No, <laughs> no calories. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Well, then Nothing forget it. Calories well, then it. forget it. I'll, I'll yeah. return the chocolate. Uh, I'll give Curtis the all the chocolate. In the studio with us, we have Congressman uh, Peter uh, King. How are you, Peter? John, I'm doing great. It's good to be here. With Did they come oh. up with any solutions in... Um, I understand Joe Cairo is double-checking the person they want to pick to run. This so, is for the George Santos seat, right? The George. They've, they've narrowed it down to two or three. They had a fine guy in George Santos before. And, <laughs> and he, he, he's even worse than Curtis. Well, John, blame that on Queens. Blame that on Richard Weinberg. Blame that on Queens. Queens. You go, Queens approved it? Yeah, but it was Santos. It was a Queens candidate. Yeah. He was a Queens candidate. That's correct. Well, okay. yeah. It was, yeah. really. I'm, I'm not going to say what I'm thinking, but go and, ahead. And, and, and Zimmerman, uh, who ran against him, he did his homework, too. Yeah, but he didn't do anything with it. <laughs> and, and you know the irony of it all, John? He was the guy who always did opposition research, right. of all people. And also Swazi ran, yes. ran against him in 2020. Exactly. Boy, they in the studio, our special guest that Sid has every day at 7.05. Uh. You know, I don't tune in the show at 6. I want to sleep the extra hour. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear the ranting and raving between six and seven, so I tune in at seven to listen to Curtis. Good seven oh seven oh five every day on Sid and Friends. Uh, tell us what the heck is going on in, with the migrants in the streets in New York. Give us bad, an update. Bad news. Uh, give you an update on Floyd Bennett Field, which, as you know, as a compromise became housing just for families, migrant families. That means. Husband, wife, children. No, no single able-bodied men. About 700 of them out there in four tents. The tents can hold a capacity of about 4,000, 4,500. Unfortunately, these families have learned the art of now going into Marine Park, which is on the Brooklyn side, and going door to door and begging from people. And you say, wait a second, what are you begging for? We've already provided you with every amenity imaginable. Free transportation, you get three squares, you get laundry, you get, you get (laughs) your pillowcases and sheets and clothes laundered, folded, brought back to you in a duffel bag with bounty fabric softener. They're going door to door, they're standing outside of Walgreens, they're begging for money. This is going to cause a problem. People are looking at this. And that's a mixed neighborhood of blacks, whites, West Indians. They're looking at these people like, what? You're already in our neighborhood at our expense. Now you're going door-to-door begging, which means, you know, they're going to be snatching up those uh, packages next like porch pirates because they watch Americans do that. They need car service. Are they going to look at Peter King's house yet? <laughs> no, I, I've done. Look, that's why Al D'Amato made up with me. He said, Curtis is being done a good job keeping them at Creedmoor, right? Yeah, Isn't that what Al right. D'Amato said? He's keeping them away from Nassau County. Just, you know, before that, he was trying to put you in Creedmoor. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, where's that song? Where's our, where's our, they're coming to take you away? We but need if that, you, I think. Uh, actually spend any time at the Port Authority, which I do from time to time, you see the buses come in, the chartered buses from Texas, Abbott, courtesy of Abbott. 
and they're taken immediately to the Roosevelt Hotel for processing, and then they're outsourced to other parts of the five boroughs. No upstate communities are accepting them any longer. Nobody downstate. They're all being housed in New York City. And it's breaking our bank. And uh, now that it's cold out, I'm beginning Mm -hmm. to see uh, the illegal aliens sleeping in the subway. Oh, yeah. By the way, and also in the middle of all this, Eric Adams came out after his, what was his 10th visit to Washington, D.C., Curtis. He comes out and he says, quote, no help is on the way. Of course, he went over there with the tin cup saying, hopefully I'll meet. Uh, that's not a good sign. That's a, that is a disaster. He's pretty blatantly saying, uh, we're up Blanks Look, Creek. <laughs> I would say his polling numbers are falling. He's got nothing to lose now. He's got to take on the administration every day. He can't be nice to Schumer anymore because Schumer, who can find money uh, under uh, any sofa for any project has not come up with any money. He can. Yeah, and uh, Hakeem Hakeem Jeffries, Jeffries, right. Nothing. These are New Yorkers. Uh, Gillibrand, nothing. So what does Eric Adams have to lose now? He's down at 28%. It's very difficult to come back up from 28%. Just start going after your fellow Democrats because they're not helping him and they're not helping our city. Yeah, it's now, embarrassing. Now, we don't know what the truth is on the budget. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, the speaker of uh, the, of the council, what is it, Adams, right. uh, says Adrian, they did, Adrian Adams, Adrian yeah. Adams uh, uh, says they did their own analysis. They did their own analysis, and it's not as bad as Mayor Adams. Remember the Adams family? Yeah, I do. Is, I is love Cindy that show. part of that family? Um, no, but you know um, what, Munster Herman, right? Uh, the grandpa. I love that now, show. I mean, so. How far off can we be? Well, I, I will tell I mean, you. There's nobody. We can never know what the real truth tell, is. But the process process is this: the council comes up with their numbers, the mayor comes up with their numbers before they adopt the budget in June. They have to agree on what the number is. All the sources of revenue, and you have to be very, very careful. So to get an honest and answer, and also whatever from, the deficit might be, and that's exactly. Judge Richard Weinberg, who used to run that place. Yeah, you, how many budgets did you do? Fourteen. All right, that's it. So you know that's and you always and the city charter requires a balanced budget, which means you can't spend one more dollar. And you have the revenues for what so, I what I describe it as that's the, the be difference war in June. Yeah, and it's the difference between bad, really bad, or really really bad. It's not like either either that's picture why, wasn't rosy. The, the independent well, budget commission is, is up in New York. Yes. All of a sudden, see a ton of tourists. I, I would, uh, although he's been my political enemy, I would side with Eric Adams and not the Speaker of the Council, mm-hmm. Adams. Yeah. Uh, when you look at the massive amounts of money we're already spending on the illegals and them coming in every day. That bill is mounting. And remember, the city council wants us to provide services for the illegal aliens. They want us to guarantee shelter for the illegal right. aliens. Curtis, we love you. I'll listen to you at 7.05 on Sin <laughs> Friends tomorrow morning. I have breaking news tomorrow morning, 7.05. Okay. Oh, okay. What happened to that building that collapped on... Uh, uh, in Queens. You know, yes. I, no, Brooklyn. Bronx, Bronx. Bronx. The Bronx. I, I, no, I thought it was Brooklyn. Bronx, no, Bronx. Bronx. This one, Bronx. I am surprised oh. that more buildings in the Bronx have not collapsed because they, they have, haven't been inspected which, in years. Which, which building commissioner did? Uh, well, Eric Olger is going to jail. <laughs> Jimmy Otto, I don't know if he's ready for that job. He he wouldn't know what to do with a bag and nails and a hammer. How so, can he be the building commissioner? So they did have somebody. a commissioner. By the way, this building. Let's go. Let's they, wait, 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 wait. Let's no, no, go. no. I want to say one thing. This building, John, had creaks in it, and they did go out and check it. They said it feels like it's shifting. <laughs> so we'll see where it goes. Wow. How many creaks did you have to 
listen to? Uh, a lot. All right. It depends. Let's go to Alan Dershowitz, one of our best guests. He sure is. And Professor Dershowitz, great to have you here. Of course, your new book, which we love, which is The War Against the Jews. Also, you have a great column out uh, calling for now the president of Harvard to step down like the UPenn president did. Uh, tell us about that. You are on the front lines on this one. Well, she's much worse than the UPenn president. The UPenn president at least had a long history of supporting the First Amendment. She was a lawyer, a professor at the University of Pennsylvania Law School. Claudia Gay, on the other hand, had a sordid record of the First Amendment. She was one of these microaggression DEI people who, if you look funny at somebody who was um, a, a black or who was gay or who was uh, transgender, uh, you could be fired. She discovered the First Amendment only after uh, uh, October 7th. Uh, she's an October 7th First Amendment advocate. In other words, the First Amendment really comes alive to protect people who want to commit genocide against the Jews. And, and when you've just discovered the First Amendment and finally apply it to a situation like that, which is a beneath contempt and abominable, you know that she didn't do it because of the First Amendment. She did it because her heart wasn't in it. And now we have 700 Harvard professors pandering to her by calling on the school to keep her and to praise her and to promote her, if you could possibly promote her. Um, uh, they're ignoring what the students uh, want. And what they're saying is, don't listen to alumni. Uh, well, you know, alumni are as important part of the school as anything else. And and Bill Ackerman has written, you know, 10, 15 pages of, of, of substantive criticisms of gay. And these uh, pandering professors, the 700 of them, don't take on a single one of the arguments. They just say, no, no, keep her on because we don't want alumni to pressure us. We are the precious faculty. We decide everything and you can't interfere in our running the university. Well, they've been mismanaging the university now for years. 97% of the faculty at Harvard uh, leans liberal. 3% identifies as conservative. You know, when the inmates are running the asylum, you really have to have a little bit of adult supervision from outside. So thank God for people like Bill Ackerman and people like Leslie Wexner and others who have said that they're going to pull their funds if the school stops being a propaganda, it doesn't stop being a propaganda mill and starts being a real university. Yeah, absolutely. Professor Dershowitz, uh, Judge Weinberg has a question. And Alan, you uh, just wrote a very good article. And you're pointing out it's not just the presidents of the universities and administrators. It's the ground up. It's the whole indoctrination memo that's going on that's been circulating for years and years and years, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Talk, talk about the that. the opposite of real diversity. They don't want intellectual diversity. 3% conservatives are not intellectual diversity. They don't want equality. They want equity instead of equality. Equity means that it's a microaggression to quote Martin Luther King and saying, I wish for a time when my children are judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And inclusion expressly, expressly, according to the rules of the DEI, expressly excludes Jews and Asians. What kind of inclusion is that? It's a fraudulent notion. It is killing American universities, as is the creation of these specialized departments of black studies, of women's studies, of gay studies, Southeast Asian studies, Jewish studies. No, you go to school to learn how to think, not to cheer for one group or another. And what it does is it divides the students among groups. And when you have that kind of division, it's a zero-sum game. And so if one group benefits, the other group doesn't benefit. Now we're in the position of benefiting certain groups to the disadvantage of 
of other groups. And that's what leads to anti-Semitism and anti-Asian attitudes and anti-Christian attitudes uh, and other bigoted uh, attitudes in universities. And uh, President Gay is the wrong person at the wrong time in the wrong job. And people want to see that and want to pick somebody on the merit, somebody who has a, a long history of academic success and credentials, not somebody who has come up through the DEA movement, DEI. I always say DEA because I think of the Drug Administration. <laughs> it's DEI movement. And, you know, the DEI movement is, is the symbol that led you know, to her presidency and it's failed and it's failing and it's destroying universities. It is. It, it is has to be dismantled it's along with shameful along with her, along with her being taken out of the presidency. Alan, she should is, resign uh, in dignity. Yeah. Oh, this is Pete King. First of all, you do a phenomenal job. I don't have to tell you that what I found listening to their testimony, while I certainly disagree with their conclusion, what struck me even more was they must live in echo chambers where all they hear is the same thing because they didn't seem That's to right. realize the impact of what they were saying. They didn't they seem did. to think that the, you know, so many people in the world would be against them. They seemed genuinely mm-hmm. genuinely you know, struck that the people would actually disagree because uh-huh. I don't think they've ever heard anybody disagree with them on this issue. Yeah, they had their That's little right. canned lines, Pete. The I agree. Yeah, the 700 law professors and professors immediately came to right. their defense not reflecting what the what – Many people associated with Harvard uh, really, really think. And so then they also got lawyered up. All three of the presidents got the same law firm, a good law firm. Uh, uh, Cutler, the Wilma, Wilma Cutler and Pickering? Wilma Cutler and Hale, yeah. Oh, yeah right. And they, they apparently just lawyered them up and gave them all kind of technical legal advice. They all use the same word, context, context, context. I mean, you shouldn't have to, on an issue like that, which is so emotional, it's common so moral. sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. also, they, they showed no moral show outrage of what happened. Yeah, and they would never show context when it came to uh, if somebody told, called the genocide of blacks or genocide right. of gays or anything like that. They would never say context, context, context. Context is a lawyer's word. And, uh, you know, they, were, they, they, they didn't understand the room. And, and part of the role of president is to interact with government officials, after all. Universities are funded by the government in large part. I mean, the two major sources of funding are the government and donors, alumni. And, you know, Larry Tribe gets on television today and says they should never listen. Universities should never listen to either alumni or the government. Duh. Where are you going to get your money from? Well, how are you going to run the universities? You're not going to run them based on tuition. You have to listen, at least listen, at least Argue with them. Don't just say no if the alumni says it or if politicians say about it. It must be wrong. That's just elitism of the worst kind. Professor, I, I, last night me and Margot were bored and we put on some old uh, shows called JAG, uh, the Judge Advocate. <laughs> Remember, <that. laughs> Remember they were great shows. Yeah. And yeah. one show uh, shows right after 9-11, this general is speaking uh, to, to this church in Tampa and starts ramping up that uh, it's a Christian church and the general is a Christian about the evil of uh, of the Israel. the Muslims. It's a it's a real devils, and they court they went to court martial the judge. Yeah, and and I mean, is this was this going on twenty four years ago? This when the show oh, was no. out. Free, free speech for me, but not for thee, has been a comment throughout American history. You know, uh, uh, John Adams loved free speech, and he defended the people who were the Boston Massacre, and then he comes into office and he passes the Alien and Sedition Act. Uh, 
you know, Lincoln, Lincoln uh, suspends the writ of habeas corpus. It's as old as America, hypocrisy and having a double standard. Uh, and and it's as old as universities. Right? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I felt like I was watching uh, the show that was made last week instead of 24 years yeah, ago. Right. Yeah. When I came to Harvard in 1964, we were told in no uncertain terms that no president of Harvard could ever be Jewish or Catholic. They had to be white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Uh, we were told that no dean uh, could be Jewish. Uh, there were quota systems. Uh, you know, it goes back, goes back way back in time. And then there was a golden age when people were picked on the merits, people like Larry Summers. And then Larry gets fired because he says something that's controversial about the women in mathematics. Um, what about the First Amendment there? None of that these, was people, stupid none of these 700 people. None yeah. of these 700 you know, how do you compare that to the Holocaust? Unbelievable. Professor Dershowitz, before we let you go, yeah, the other big question, news. Yeah, question. big news today. Uh, this is the special counsel. Um, Jack Smith has asked the Supreme Court to immediately decide if Trump is immune, uh, has presidential immunity in the Jan 6 prosecution. This is a huge deal because he's circumventing yeah. the appeals court. He clearly wants to have this trial happen in an election year. Yeah. Uh, your reaction to this? Well, it's a, it's a bizarre result because normally you'd find the defendant making that application saying, I have immunity. I've never heard of a case where the prosecution comes in and says, give us a ruling that the defendant would be wrong if he sought immunity from the Supreme Court. It's so preliminary, but, you know, the Supreme Court may decide the case. I don't know. Uh, you know, as you all know, the goal of the special prosecutor has been to get a conviction before the election, and then it might be reversed after the election, um, but he will have influenced the election. And that's why I think he wants to speed this up. He wants to make sure that the <clears throat> the defendant can't delay this trial by making motions and bringing it to the district court and then the court of appeals. I understand it, but it seems like more of a political move than a legal move. Yeah, that is for sure. Wow. What a, what a mess that is. Uh, and, and yeah. I, it is unusual that he's like trying to circumvent. It clearly seems like he wants this oh, trial to happen very during unusual. an election year. Oh, that was I, I mean, the defendant who makes suppose, that application. Right, exactly. And it starts in March. So it's like, okay, we're trying to roadblock it so there could be a decision. What do you, I, I, real quick, do you think, Professor Dershowitz, that the Supreme Court is going to hear the case or what do you think they're going to do? If I had to, if I can't make a prediction because I don't know what the minds of the Supreme Court are. But if I were a justice, I know I would not take the case. I would say let it go in its normal course of events. I don't think it's the kind of case that warrants skipping the Court of Appeals. Well, they, maybe they just want a decision before the election and use it to stir yeah, things up. They do. They yeah. Do. yeah, because yeah. the polling is showing if he, there's a conviction, a lot of Trump's voters are going to walk away from him. That's what the That's polling is showing. That's interesting. I didn't know that. That's interesting. And now you understand better why they want to get, and there'll be convictions. How do you not get a conviction? Right in District of Columbia? Columbia? Yeah, if you have 91 counts. With, with this judge and a District of Columbia pool? The case. And the judge? And right. The judge? Come on. Yeah, you have Tanya Chuckin, you know, I, I mean, who worked with Hunter Biden. You can't make it up. <laughs> I, I wonder what the Las Vegas betting odds are. On 100. Oh, 100. There are odds. You know, uh, I met the guy who has the political odds things on the Internet. Oh, interesting. What did he say? Uh, he's a Greek. Oh, of course he's a you Greek. Know, his yeah. name is not Nick the Greek. Oh, it isn't Nick the Greek. Does he make uh, good pizza? I'll find out and I'll look at the uh, 
uh, what the odds are, and we'll announce them okay. afterwards. Yeah, Professor Dershowitz, thank you. We always thank love you. having you thank on. You. And every- thank you. The odds, the odds thank you, Alan. Half and half, I'll take the bet. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's you. take a break right now. Who are we coming back with? Rita? We have General Jack Keane with some big news on what's happening with Ukraine, Israel. Zelensky's coming to the White House tomorrow, and also the border. Wait, wait, wait. Is he using the same airplane as Eric Adams? Uh, the same one as John Kerry. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, we could save money. People going asking for money. That's true. Well, I'll take that break. They have the same result. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Well, Ukrainian President Zelensky is headed to the White House tomorrow as there is a big battle over funding Ukraine. Also, the big lump bill where they want to do Ukraine, Israel, and maybe more babysitters at the border. Uh, the Republicans are saying we want agents and we want security. And joining us now about all of this is General Jack Keane. He is a retired Army four-star general, former vice chief of staff for the U.S. Army. Uh, general King, great to have you here. What do you think is going to happen tomorrow with Zelensky? Well, I think uh, President Zelensky certainly uh, will talk to President Biden in, in a very personal way. They have a good relationship. Uh, he'll probably give them some, the president some insight in terms of his future plans. Obviously, the elephant in the room, he knows full well that Ukraine, Ukraine can't succeed without continued uh, U.S. support and European support, and they're considering funding uh, at the time. I think, you know, the real issue uh, is not so much Ukraine. It's the fact that, you know, the Senate has had bipartisan support for Ukraine since the beginning of the war in terms of funding. Even in the House, with the Democrats and Republicans, although <clears throat> there has been... Uh, growing opposition to funding, the bipartisan majority still exists. But what has happened, uh, as you've been reporting, is this hemorrhaging at the border has got to, has become so catastrophic that the House and the Senate are not going to budge on funding Ukraine, Israel, or Taiwan. Oops, we lost you there, General King. Call us back. But uh, what he was saying um, was that they don't want the Republicans. And I was listening to Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas earlier. He was saying, and you understand this all too well, Pete King, that we want we we know we want border protection. We want to make sure there's guarantees. We want border agents, not just babysitters, right. which the border agents yeah, feel but, like but they the are. The problem is we have three crises going on. They all have to be funded. They, they do. Now, what about, but, but let me ask you, Peter, should they be separate? I, I'm not I'm not even talking about whether the funding or not. I'm saying should they all have merits, but shouldn't they stand on their own as opposed to lumping them all together? I would have no problem doing that. I think we have to send aid to Ukraine. That is essential to our national security. Same with Taiwan. And also, obviously, Israel, Israel is it, right, I mean, oh, right, Israel, Israel, Israel too. Uh, uh, debate even. 
But isn't there something? I, I, I tend to agree with you, but remember, they're all playing games. Yeah, we're They're all playing games. The the United States is telling uh, the Ukraine you can't attack Russia on their uh, on their ground. What that's kind of a, war? What's that's that a, a game? War? That's your strategy. I disagree with it, but that's their strategy. Okay. Just now, like we're not attacking you know, Iran. No, we're being attacked. That's the truth. No, I know. Well, yeah, but John, that's a part of every war. Every war that's been going on since the end of World War II. You can only attack in certain areas. Yeah, so that, right. was, that was Korea. Right now, with, with Iran, our, 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 our uh, ships are being attacked. We know it's Iran, but we're not attacking them. But you know, the thing is, I understand the fight that the Republicans are having, Pete, where they're saying, keep them separate, like n- not an issue of whether to fund or not, but have them on their own merits. Because there's something unseemly. When he was at the White House, the president, not that long ago, and he did his address, I hear Israel had just happened. It was pretty mm-hmm. soon after October 7th, and he spent more time on Ukraine than he did on Israel. I'm not saying I, you know, my father's Polish. I understand yeah. the, the issue of the border, what's going on and how important it is. I'm talking about the yeah. border between well, I, Ukraine. I agree. have separate votes. But, I'm but, all for that. Yeah, yeah. but, yeah. but put, but, but care about our borders too. Yeah, look, well, listen, listen, listen. Well, listen. Ukraine is we our call border. General Ukraine King is our border. border. Guys, enough. No, no, no. We're waiting for him to call us back. He's oh, he he, yeah. No, no, no. Yet? We're waiting for him to call us back. Now, what Listen. happened to General Keene? But in the meantime, we're waiting for the general. Let's be very, very clear. You can't allow parochial politics and get in the way of our national interest. And our natural interest means that all three of those items have to be funded. And if we don't fund them, we're going to pay the price. We're getting a free ride because Ukraine is fighting Russia and taking Russia down. Israel is protecting Judeo-Christian Western civilization, and our border has to be protected. Otherwise, we're going to be overrun by illegals who have no commitment to this country. All three are important, and we need to fight for all three. Well, and that's why, but I think there's some merit to putting them separately. Have the fair discussions. Put it on the table. I'm glad that at least I'm seeing a little bit of a spine, because sometimes I feel like everybody's rolling over. But you tell the Democrats in the Senate to do that, because they're the ones who are holding it up. Peter King. I agree. But let's just say the border uh, funding goes down. I would still vote for the aid for Ukraine, Taiwan, and Israel. But have votes on all four. Yeah, no, but have them separately. Exactly. Yeah, I right. think, listen, listen, I think we're in a dire crisis. I agree with you. There's so many issues going on in the world right now and what we're seeing. By the way, I just saw, as we were talking about Israel, uh, this just crossed, too, that uh, some hostage families wanted to go to a Hanukkah event, and the White House didn't invite them. They weren't invited. Uh, that's coming from CNN. That's pretty interesting. That's not good news. I mean, they should be in, clearly invited I'm to a, a Hanukkah well, no, event. Can I tell you something, I mean, come on. What's more concerning... Is the is politics? These, is, no, no. What's more concerning is the fact that Jewish families are afraid to show their religious affiliation right. and that certain communities are banning the... The, the, uh, the general's back. Okay, great. General, you we're having a heated discussion here, General. We're talking about all the funding. Uh, what a mess we're in right now with all these hotspots around the globe. Well, yeah. Uh, well, in terms of the funding itself, I mean, the issue is the border. I, the, I think the pressure will be put on the Democrats to make some kind of concession here so we can get on with this funding situation. Um, the challenges we have uh, facing the United States are on a scale we really haven't seen uh, since the end of World War II. I mean, we've got war in two of our vital national interest areas, Europe and the Middle East, and we have President Xi threatening war and increasing his intimidation and aggression pretty significantly the last two or three years. I believe the issue is simply this. Our adversaries see the United States 
leadership is weak. They believe we're in decline. They think we're vulnerable, and they're seizing the opportunity. That, I believe, is exactly what is happening to us. Yeah, that is a really bad situation. Um, and obviously, there are that I agree with you. What happens, by the way, uh, General Two, as we're talking about Israel? This is scary news because Hamas came out and said that they are threatening now to kill all the hostages. Where do we go from there? What do we do? So what's happening is the Israelis are making significant progress. Their main effort is now in southern Gaza, although they're still conducting a secondary effort in northern Gaza. But they've made so much progress against the Hamas that they're using those hostages. What they want is a temporary ceasefire. They want a breather from what is going on, and that's why they're threatening to kill the hostages. That's the last thing they're going to do completely because they, they want to use some of those hostages to protect the regime leadership. But nonetheless, uh, the Israelis will have to pay some attention to that because certainly getting the hostages out alive, as many as they can, is one of their primary objectives. But this is all as a result of the successful military pressure the IDF is putting on Hamas. And that has been quite significant, particularly in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, real quick, uh, Judge. General, I read uh, this morning that it now seems that Hamas wants to make new entry into Lebanon and use Lebanon as a staging ground against Israel and against other Mideastern powers that they object to. What do you know about that? Well, Hezbollah, for sure, is the number one proxy that Iran has. Anything that Hezbollah is going to do is going to be controlled by the Iranians. The Iranians know full well that they're on the way to losing Hamas. And whether Hezbollah actually gets into this remains to be seen. They haven't really expanded the attacks other than in northern Israel. If they are expanding the attacks where it's a threat, then they'll start, they'll start attacking the major Israeli cities with their long-range rockets and missiles, which are more lethal and more precise than what Hamas has. They have not taken that action. General, this is if I could just because uh, apparently time is running out here. I'm just going to ask you, how much should we take from Iran before we take action against Iran itself? If Hezbollah gets heavily involved, if the Houthis keep attacking our ships, what should the United States do? Well, we should, we should go on offense and not just be on defense. And we should, there's plenty of targets that we can hit in Iran that C- Central Command has. Yep. I believe we should hit IRGC targets. But we have to escalate to gain dominance over them to shut them down. The administration doesn't have the spine to do it. We all agree. And uh, they're giving, hey, their oil profits in Iran right now are $2 billion a week. So they used to be zero. Well, thank you, General. Thank you, General. General, thank Thank you you very much. Thank you. And, uh, John, coming up, uh, crossing the border as we're talking about. Some of these well-dressed Chinese guys are crossing the border with suitcases. What is going on? This is really oh, scary suitcases stuff. Suitcases of fentanyl or money? Well, we'll find out. We've got All Troy right. Gordon Chang coming up after the break. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? 
Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Well, we have been talking about the border big time and some of the numbers of people that have been crossing really startling. 26,000 Chinese. In fact, there were some well-dressed Chinese crossing the border recently. And to talk about all of this is the great Asia expert, Gordon Chang. His Twitter is Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, great to have you here. You know, how concerned should we be about this sort of Chinese infiltration from our southern border that, sadly, is wide open. Yeah, we should be extremely concerned because many of these border crossers are deeply suspicious. When the Chinese started to surge in the U.S., we saw a lot of families, which suggested people who were just desperate to leave China. Now, the composition of the crossers has changed, and they're almost all males of military age. Uh, A lot of them pretend not to speak English, and they're not traveling with family members. So that's the issue. Who are these individuals? And we also got to remember, remember that lab in Reedley, California, the secret Chinese biological weapons facility? Well, they had um, at least 20 pathogens, including Ebola, and about 1,000 mice that have been genetically engineered to spread disease. You got saboteurs, you got mice to spread disease. You know what that means. There's just one conclusion. Yeah, that is frightening. By the way, there's a story here, too, I'm just reading that's crossing here, uh, Gordon, that Chinese-affiliated hacking groups infiltrated some critical American infrastructure, um, including like a water utility in Hawaii, at least one oil and gas pipeline. This is according to U.S. officials. That's scary stuff. What are they? Uh, I mean, obviously, it, it does not look good when you hear that. Yeah, Chinese hacking has changed from espionage and data theft to um, actually disruption of critical infrastructure. That's what the Chinese are doing. So in the first moments of the war, China is going to turn off our lights. They're going to uh, stop our water. Um, our traffic lights are going to go berserk. It will just be, um, you know, a full-fledged attack on the United States. And, you know, President Biden, this was one of the items that he was going to talk to Xi Jinping about last month in San Francisco. Did he talk about it? No. I mean, this really is bad because this is a critical attack on America and Biden couldn't care less. Yeah, scary stuff. Uh, everybody, we're talking to you know, we were joking. We were in the real estate department before and we were joking about a new building, when, you know, one of my company's building. And it's supposed to be under New York City law, all electric. That means you have an electric refrigerator, you have an electric uh, stove, you have an electric heating system in the building. You have maybe an electric car. That means if something happens, if the Chinese hit the wrong button or somebody hits the wrong, bu- wrong button, you, everything you, stops. You, everything, you live in okay, the jungle right. again. You, you, you have no heat. You have no, no way to cook the food. You have no refrigeration. And you have no transportation. And you're not supposed to eat meat during it either, John. You're not allowed to do that either now these I days. Mean, this is... This is crazy what's going on in our world. You know, John brings up a great point, Gordon, because if if everything is attached to this sort of new philosophy and they're tapping into it, th- this is a mess. Yeah, they can disable all of American society. 
you know, as societies grow more sophisticated, they become more complex. They're more dependent on networks, which means we are far less resilient than we have ever been in our history. So they turn off the lights now. Um, Americans are going to be more vulnerable than they would have been, let's say, in 1776. So that's where we're heading. And especially if uh, dependent on electricity like this, um, and there are no alternative sources of power, then we as a nation are going to go completely dark. Gordon. And people have actually done studies about how many Americans would die if they turned off the lights in the U.S. Gordon, it's Richard Weinberg. Let me ask you this question. What is our ability to respond to that kind of attack against China? Do we have the same capacity to do harm to them? I think that we do. Um, but the point is they don't um, the initiative. Yeah, the initiative is that who goes first. And remember, their society is not as highly networked as ours, which means that, yeah, we could turn off their lights. Um, but on the other hand, they're much more resilient than we are as a society on the whole, because they do not, you know, as, as John said, their whole building is not electrified. What a mess. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Gordon Chang. Please keep us posted. This is big, serious stuff. We appreciate it, Gordon. Thank you. Well, thanks, Rita, and thanks, John, and thanks, Richard. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you right. very much. Let's take a break, and we're going to give, I mean, I promised uh, our Bill, Bill O'Reilly a lot of time, and we're going to have a whole 15 minutes. I can't wait. I, he's terrific. He's coming up right after the break, everybody. It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Our next guest is the top nonfiction author out there. He has done more than 19 million books sold. That's incredible. His latest big bestseller is Killing the Witches. And, of course, you can hear him every weeknight here on WABC Radio Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly. Uh, Bill, great to have you here. You You wrote... Um, some really powerful stuff about going after these college campuses. Of course, now we know, uh, Bill, that you penned the president's, uh, she's out. What about the others, right? Well, I think you step back and say that most universities in this country are not diverse at all. You have to start when you, when you analyze higher education with the truth. So there are some, not where we live in New York State, certainly not, but around the country, there are some that try to have a balanced faculty and administration and board of trustees to bring in an environment that uh, students can uh, prosper. That's what they're there for. But most don't. And they're loaded up with um, progressive instructors and administrators um, the progressive groups on campus get preferential treatment while the young Republican club is shunned. Their guests are scrutinized. Um, sometimes their grades are lower because the progressive professors don't like what their politics are. That all happens. And it's happened for a while. This isn't anything new. Vietnam War changed the college atmosphere in America into a very liberal place. It's like Hollywood. Hollywood didn't used to be liberal, but now it's 90% liberal. So the same thing happened on colleges. 
And I think that the uh, Israel-Hamas war now has brought that vividly to the attention of the American public. And I'm, I'm sad about it. I, I have to tell you, I, I had a great experience at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, got a degree in history there. I had an excellent experience at Kennedy School at Harvard. Got a master's degree from there in public administration. And both of those schools now are run by radicals. They are literally run by radicals. And I wouldn't send my, my son to Marist. I, I wouldn't send him there. Um, and so, you know, New York State, all the state universities, they're in the same category. Cornell, Columbia, and NYU, even Fordham. I mean, it's really depressing, but that's the way it is. Yeah, look at uh, Cooper Union, too. Uh, you know, Bill, one thing that really upset me today and and it's it's stunning. Here we are. It's 2023, about to be 2024. Uh, there was a new poll out. I'm sure you saw this on the Holocaust. And 18 to 39 year olds, um, and of course that's college age as we're hitting, of course, and, and older. Uh, 20 percent of them said the Holocaust is a myth. Uh, boy, uh, the world's in trouble if that's the case. That they actually think the question is: Is the Holocaust a myth? More than 20% said it's a myth, and that age group, that is, that's one out of five. That is really troubling, Bill. You know, in the past, that kind of propaganda came from the far right, the neo-Nazi crew. And now it's embraced by the far left, the progressive crew. This is an interesting shift here. So I wrote a book, as you guys know, called Killing the SS. And every page is documented 18 different ways about what happened, eyewitness reports, photographs. I mean, it's beyond any doubt. So then when you hear somebody say, well, uh, the Holocaust was fabricated or overstated, you look at them and you go, well, where's your backup for that? What do you point to to justify that position? And then you get nothing because there is no justification. So when Hamas went in and killed 1,200 uh, Jewish people on uh, October 7th, the president of Marist College came out with a statement a couple of days later. And this is a small working class school in Poughkeepsie, New York, that said he was grappling with the situation. <laughs> that was the word he used, grappling. And I'm sitting there reading, go, what are you grappling with? Did you not lived through 9-11, where 3,000 Americans were killed by al-Qaeda. What is the difference? Because al-Qaeda, as you remember, justified their attack on the United States by saying that we are an oppressive nation that, that is trying to do X, Y, and Z to poor defense of Muslims. Remember that? That was the justification. And Hamas says the same thing. Oh, Israel's occupying us and, and genocide, all this nonsense. But when you get right down to it, there is no reality to their statements at all. None. Yeah, some of them, I mean, there are people, there are actually college students that I have seen who've been interviewed who are like, Hamas didn't do anything on October 7th. It's on their own GoPros. I mean, Hamas is even putting it out there. I mean, give me, it's like, what more do you need? People believe what they want to believe. And I don't know, Rita, what do you think? 15, 20% are lunatics? Yes. Of the human race? Would you say that? 
Yeah, after what I've seen in the last few weeks, yes. (laughs) Yeah, they they all work at MSNBC. I mean, you can that's where they are if you want to just view them. (laughs) But um, there are people who just you know them in your own life. Everybody knows the crazy people, and unfortunately, that number is rising now. Yeah, Bill, this is Pete King. The inmates are running the asylum. That's really what it's come down to. You know, in the case of Harvard, though, um, I just finished writing a column that will be on BillOReilly.com message of the day tomorrow. You know, this guy Pete Hegseth, he's a commentator on Fox. Well, he's repudiating his Harvard degree. He's giving it back. And I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm proud of my Harvard degree. I, when I went there, I learned a lot, and I met a lot of excellent people. It was left, but nobody oppressed me. You know, I, I was just as much of a loud mouth then as I am now. Um, <laughs> you are consistent. But it's, it's changed. It's changed now. And it, the reason it's changed is because these administrators and instructors fear. They fear the progressive movement the cancel culture, the woke movement, they fear it. That's what has changed. Bill, Bill, it's Richard Weinberg. What do you think of these 700 Harvard professors who are backing President Gay in uh, keeping her job when, based on her testimony, she should be as removed as a president of the University of Pennsylvania? Well, those are fellow travelers, Judge. <laughs> That's a nice way to say that, travelers. <laughs> no, but Bill's right. They are fellow travelers. Yes. Or yeah. as Lenin called they, them, they're they, useful idiots. Yeah. They're useful idiots. They believe that uh, Hamas is just misunderstood. I mean, and you can't force people into reality, into rationality. You know, I learned that late in life. I really learned that late in life. I used to try to persuade people and take energy and time to point out where they were going wrong historically. That's how originally how I started writing the history books. I said, I don't write honest books now and tell you really what happened. But no matter what you do, there are some people who are not going to see it your way because they don't want to. You know, uh, you know what's amazing, Bill, too, is um, some of these women's groups. I mean, it is shocking to me to see some of them silent or or slowly coming around. It's it's like Maris College, like you said. They're like trying to figure out which way to go. Are you kidding me? When you hear of what happened on October seventh, uh, they're, they're, sh- they're not trying. They're not trying to do anything. They'll put a noose, a figurative noose, around your neck if you're a conservative white man. In the blink of an eye. But if it's their own crew, no. They'll make that's an excuse. why I wrote killing the, killing the Witches. Because the witch hunt today is generated by the progressive left. But how could they, they be silent, left. Bill, with all these horrible, disgusting atrocities that happened to women now that we're hearing? It, it, it really is. How can they be silent? It's, it's shocking. It's, just, it's appalling. They're not in it for justice, Rita. They're in it for power. That's how they can be silent. Really sad. Bill, what is that? By the way, before we go, you also, um, on the flip side, you talked about some of the most generous Americans and where they live. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love this. Talk about I love this. Talk about it. Forest Hills, according to Charity Navigator, which we use to evaluate charities and be very careful when giving for Hanukkah and Christmas. Be very careful. There are a lot of theft out there. 
guy was just popped today, Goodwill, California, charged it still in a million dollars from Goodwill. Okay? So Charity Navigator says the good people in Forest Hill, Queens, are the most generous Americans in the country. And you know what demographic a lot of them are, Bill? Uh, uh, Jewish. Exactly right. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That's beautiful. I love that when I saw that. (laughs) We'll never try, Bill. We'll never try. Never try. You know, I I can't go door to door like Sliwa and say, hey, but I know the city. Uh, Forest Hills is number one. And uh, it was uh, Marin County, California is number two per capita giving to charity. And we urge everyone to do that. WABC, extremely generous radio station, particularly with the Police Athletic League that helps minority kids. Uh, I was honored to uh, give a donation to them last week. And Well, thank uh, you. We had a uh, uh, Christmas holiday party uh, on Saturday morning and we entertained about 500 kids. I think they showed up. It was great. I saw and, some uh, of the video. It was the great. Videos, yeah, they were very, very good. And uh, it, it was, it was, when you see these young kids uh, and you look at their faces, you can't believe that I, I wish we could help more of them. You're doing a lot. I mean, and you know what I said to uh, a few people? I said to them, look, I'd rather be helping the kids, our, our kids, the American kids from our inner cities. Than helping the migrants. I mean, enough is enough with this. Hey, Bill O'Reilly, too. What a mess with all the migrant stuff because tomorrow Zelensky's going to the White House. And of course, the GOP saying, wait, we want a, a clean border bill. We want support for the border. And I would do the same thing. I believe in the Ukrainian cause. I think Putin's got to be stopped. It's going to cost us 100 times more down the road. But Biden simply and Schumer, too, both of them, they should be ashamed. They do not do one thing to stop these millions and millions of people pouring into this country. It is, and the Republicans have no other recourse. Either you toughen up the border or you're not going to get your money. I'd do the same thing if I were a senator. Yeah, did you hear Eric Adams, uh, Bill O'Reilly, came out the other day and said help is not on the way after he came back from Washington. So, uh, boy, this is a mess. You're back. We'll see you at 9 o'clock tonight. Thanks yeah. for having me in. Thank you, Bill. We Thank love you, Bill. Bill. Thank you. What are you going to talk about at 9? We're going to give the Forest Hill people a big shout-out, John. Judge Weinberg's smiling. Tonight. He loves that. Thank you. Thank you so much. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless America.